Hello, fellow therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and you are listening to Holding Space for Therapists. In today's episode, we are talking about some of the important steps that you can take as a business owner to protect your business. And I am sharing a conversation that I had with my own attorney, Kate Santon, who held my hand through the process of protecting my business. This can be really overwhelming, and these aren't things that we learn about in school. And having an attorney to support you through the process can be an important step. And so my hope with this episode and with sharing my conversation with my own attorney, you can leave feeling more confident in what next step you're going to take to protect your business. All right, before we dive into the episode, I want to share that next week, January 26th, 2021 at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the doors to my three Modern Therapist e-courses are opening. They only open three times a year. Modern Therapist Academy is the comprehensive, complete roadmap for modern therapists interested in starting or growing a private practice. You're already established. We got you covered in the established Modern Therapist Marketing Toolkit with lessons and videos all about branding, diversifying your income, growing your Instagram audience, growing an email list, and all of the ways in which you can be marketing yourself in a modern way. Maybe there's a podcast brewing in your heart and you want to launch it this year. I have an e-course called Podcasting for Therapists that walks you through it all step by step. If you are one of the first 20 to enroll in any three of the courses, Modern Therapist Academy, Podcasting for Therapists, or the Established Therapist Marketing Toolkit, then you'll have a chance to potentially win a one-hour, one-on-one coaching session with me, where you can get that personalized, unique support for whatever your next step is. So go ahead and join the wait list at the link in the show notes for any of these three courses to be the first to hear when the doors open so you can be one of those first 20. All right, who is ready to dive into this episode and get a chance to witness me having a conversation with my attorney Kate? Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for taking the time to record this podcast with me today. I can't even tell you how many people have asked for a topic like this um, as fellow therapists navigating private practice and to have you on. You are my attorney. and So it's so special for me to have this conversation and then be able to share it with other therapists. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm very excited to chat through the issues that we want to talk about today. Um, so thank you so much for bringing me on. Yeah. So first I want to share just how I found you initially, because I get a lot of people who ask, like, how do you find an attorney who understands like therapists and private practice and all of those things? Um, so I just want to quickly share that story, that background. So I asked around, <laughs> you know, um, nothing groundbreaking, but I asked people that um, were in the field that I trusted. And specifically, I had a therapist friend who 
I knew actually had a background. I think she was a, a lawyer before she became a therapist. There's a lot of therapists that were attorneys at first. And then they, um, I know a lot of folks like that. And so I asked her, um, I'd gotten a couple names and she was the one that gave me your name. And then you and I, I reached out to you via email. We hopped on a phone call and um, right off the bat, I really appreciated how you already understood some of the things that I didn't know if, a th- if a, an attorney would understand about being a therapist and some of the things that are really important to consider ethically and legally um, um, as a business owner and in all of those components. And so I appreciated that. And then from there, um, I hired you and you've supported me in a few ways to protect my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just always recommend that folks <laughs> ask around and find an attorney who actually understands our field because there mm-hmm. are some really unique components to being a licensed therapist. That's in, it's important for the, the attorney you're working with to understand. Yeah, absolutely. There are a ton of nuances um, for the practice. And um, I completely agree having someone who understands your particular industry, especially in the professional services types, uh, you know, wh- who would be considered professionals under the business and professions code. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there are nuances across the board for, for so many different industries. Yeah, and I'll be sure to share your contact info in the show notes. Um, And just out of curiosity for any of the listeners, are you able to offer services to people who are out of the state of California? I know you're in California. How does that work as an attorney? I uh, Well, so if there is someone out of California who needs help, it would have to be related to a matter in California itself. Got it. Um, you know, that's where I'm licensed to practice law. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. California, it needs to be a California legal issue, or it needs to be somebody in the state of California. Got it. Okay. Just wanted to get that off. Cause I know that as people are listening, they're probably like, wait, can she help me? And so I just kind of wanted to like address that first, you know, for mm-hmm. people that, um, you know, if it's, it's similar to us as therapists, that if we're licensed in the state of California, we can offer those services in California. But mm-hmm. it sounds like also if the issue is happening in California, that you're able to, to offer support there. Yeah. That's good. Good to know. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and just the driving force that brought you to do the work that you do specifically? specifically as an attorney? Yes, absolutely. Before I start with that, I should just get out of the way. I'm supposed to give a disclaimer, but technically listening to me talk on the podcast doesn't create an attorney client relationship with me. And, you know, don't construe any information that I provide here specifically as, you know, legal advice for you, the listener. Um, And of course, you know, consult with your legal counsel if you do have any legal questions. So, Yep. I figured I'd just get that one out of the way. But um, so um, so I went to a large law firm out of law school and I had a ton of, you know, got a lot of great experience working for some of the biggest clients in the country and working on, you know, very interesting legal matters. And I was very lucky because that particular firm gave me a lot of exposure in a lot of different areas, um, you know, corporate litigation, um, labor, employment, um, intellectual property, um, and uh, privacy, data security, those kinds of things. And I got so much exposure during that experience. And as I matured in my practice, I had quite a few small businesses and entrepreneurs reaching out to me and they needed legal help at affordable rates. And, you know, at a large law firm, well, the rates are not affordable. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they needed someone who understood their, you know, their particular industry, 
and their needs. Um, and I started thinking through, it took me two years to ponder this question. What does it look like to start a practice that can help um, these businesses at the rates that they can afford um, at predictable rates right? and in an efficient matter, manner and, you know, as effective as possible and the, using technology. And that really, that question there became my mission statement. Um for my practice. And after building a business plan for two years, I decided to go out on my own. That was five years ago now, um, over five years. And my practice focuses on um, small businesses. A lot of professionals have become clients in my practice. So Mm -hmm. therapists, physicians, um, real estate agents, um, other attorneys, because the nuances in the world of, you know, professional corporations and working with regulatory agencies is complicated. And, you know, getting that help is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. So many of those types of folks have become my clients as well as, you know, folks that aren't, aren't considered professionals under the business prof- and professions code, um, you know, consulting and, um, you know, yeah. but so the, the point is I do have a, a wide variety of clients um, and I help these clients with things like forming corporations and LLCs. We've talked quite a bit about professional corporations and that, that's an area that therapists have quite a few questions about. So um, talking through that today is going to be um, something that's going to be helpful, I think, for the audience. But um, yeah. I work on contracts. I work on, um, you know, my clients are often hiring their first employees. So we talk through employment compliance in California. Um, we talk through intellectual property. We talk about trademarks. If someone's um, developing a brand, um, we talk about um, contracts with respect to leases, contracts with respect to maybe partners in a business um, mm-hmm. and privacy and disclosures on, um, you know, your website, those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really fun and I love it. <laughs> I love working yeah. with all my clients. And there's such, there's such an important need for what you offer because I do think that a lot of therapists are scared to take the step to protect their business, even though it's such an important step to take and it's mm-hmm. going to help them feel more at ease. But there's an, it's intimidating to hire an attorney, I think, because there's a fear of the cost, like you mentioned, but also mm-hmm. just like, how difficult is this going to be? And are they going to understand what I, what I need? And, um, you know, is every minute that I'm on the phone with them, how much is this going to cost? And so like the things that you mentioned, just sort of like the predictability around what the cost is going to be and making it um, feasible and accessible um, to these small business owners like therapists and private practice is so important. And I think it just kind of you know, breaks down some of those barriers. And my hope with our conversation to today is to kind of demystify it. I think that like just talking to an attorney in general can feel maybe scary or intimidating, or you don't want to sound stupid or you don't know what to ask. And so my hope with our our recording today and with this episode is just to kind of demystify it a little bit. Um, yeah. And, you know, with all the pieces that you mentioned, um, you know, you and I initially formed our relationship with each other because you helped me form my corporation for my private practice. And then as I grew, you've also helped me with other layers of protection with contracts, with other brands and with trademarks for my e-courses and with partnerships. 
and, um, you know, setting up things for my social media to make sure that there's important disclaimers on there. So all of these steps are so helpful and I feel so much more at ease. Like I can go to sleep at night and just feel a little bit better that I've taken these steps. And so I want to demystify it. And I want therapists to know that, you know, hiring support for your business is going to help the health of your business and it's going to make you feel better because a lot of these things we don't learn in school like we take a a, an ethics course and a legal ethical course to kind of help us with clients but there's so many other elements when it comes to owning your own business and that's what i hope we can kind of talk about today so what are some of the common things that you see therapists struggle with when it comes to protecting their business? And what are some of those reasons that a therapist might take the step of hiring an attorney? Yeah. So, well, I have a long list, um, but I do want to say, I just want to echo what, what you were mentioning a minute ago. I, you know, the vast majority of my clients have never worked with an attorney before. And so I try to make this process as easy and stress-free as possible when someone's reaching out to me. Um, And I also um, make working with me, you know, very transparent. For example, I quote flat fees quite often because it's just Uh easier for clients, right. To understand everything about what they're going to be charged, you know, prior to initiating the service, but just on a very uh, completely initial standpoint, you know, I offer a complimentary consultation. And so we just get on a call and chat through, you know, some of your questions and concerns and, I make the process, you know, we talk through what it means to sign the engagement letter with me. And then, you know, we talk through each individual project that we want to work on. Um, But I try to make the process as stress-free and, um, you know, in part, educate clients on what it means to work with an attorney. And I pride myself on thinking that I'm very friendly and easy to talk to. (laughs) So I I feel like a lot of clients really enjoy that. And, um, you know, it, it, it works out very well. So. Yes. No, it's so important, you know, just to kind of form that relationship, especially when you're talking about your business and maybe there's things that you haven't done yet and you feel kind of embarrassed or you're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm scared. And just to feel like there's a, not just someone who knows how to help you take these steps, but is going to be friendly and nice along the way. So uh, it's so important. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So um, in terms of the different, you know, the things that therapists reach out um, to me for help on, um, maybe it'll be helpful if I run through the list very quickly and then we can talk about each individual issue more more, um, uh, in depth. So, you know, obviously we've talked about forming professional corporations, um, patient informed consent. So, you know, basically the contract with your client that includes all the informed consent language that you need to disclose, but also, you know, other things that help make the working relationship with your particular patient um, uh, work well. Um, Outside business activities. Sometimes my um, therapist clients have outside business activities and we want to make sure that they don't um, end up, you know, running afoul of any ethical issues with the BDS. Um, mm-hmm. We talk through limiting liability. We talk through what can we include in contracts with vendors, or maybe um, your lease contract to to mitigate whatever liability you can. We talk about, like I said, intellectual property, trademarks. Um, ethical obligations, those sorts of things. So, um, but to, you know, going back to the top of the list, 
um, professional corporations are probably one of the first things people reach out to me for. And, and with my other clients that are not therapists, it's the same kind of thing, forming a business entity. Um, and I talk through clients about, um, I talk through liability protection with clients. We talk through tax benefits with clients and for therapists, you know, the process is quite a bit more unique because there's complying with the compliance with the BBS obligations and, um, you know, yeah. minimum convention requirements for your entity and information that you need to have on your bylaws with respect to, you know, obviously shareholders must be licensed, um, and those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, even my therapist clients that are just a sole, sole owner of their practice, we talk mm-hmm. through liability protection with their professional corporation because while, while they don't get out of liability for your own professional negligence, um, there is liability protection with respect to contracts entered into between the professional corporation and other vendors or your landlord or that, you know, something along those lines. But, and we also talk about quite a bit about tax benefits because the vast majority of my clients are professional corporations taxed as S corps. And I have a lot of clients who have questions, well, what's a C corp, what's an S corp and, um, how does that work for my, you know, tax standpoint and how do I structure that? And I also can help clients, you know, get a great CPA that's going to be a good fit for them to walk them through the specific accounting issues and tax issues. But it's, you know, the vast majority of my clients have these questions immediately. So talking through that is, um, and, 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 uh, you know, uh, I do not think that therapists are getting education um, no. about <laughs> tax and accounting. So those I, are I some of you know, one of the yeah. first things that, that clients are reaching out to me for. Yeah. Um, and I can to that because, you know, when I was in school and after I graduated and I was, you know, going into private practice, I mean, I had no idea what a business entity even was. And Mm -hmm. it took me a while to figure out, oh, okay. So I guess because I haven't taken any steps, I am automatically a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean in terms of liability and in Mm -hmm. terms of taxes and accounting? I had no idea. And so once I realized that there were other options um, and, uh, you know, there's LLCs, there's corporations. And then to realize, okay, as a licensed therapist, there's actually, you know, based on the state that you're licensed in, there's, you know, only certain business entities and there are very specific rules, like you mentioned around like what you would name your corporation, for instance, um, that are very relevant and are important to consider. Um, And so I know there's a lot of therapists say that they're licensed in California that are considering, oh, well, I'm going to form an LLC because, you know, there's, it's um, less, it's less burdensome. But what I learned from you when I talked to you is that as a therapist in California, um, an LLC as a licensed professional is actually not an option. And um, I was not aware of that. And so, you know, being able to learn this and in a space also felt safe. So I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, like, I, what have I been doing all this time? And like, you know, again, at the time it's like, okay, no one's coming after you, Cassidy, like you take this step now and like protect your business, you know, but I was, I, it felt so overwhelming at first to learn these things that, yeah, we don't learn in school Mm -hmm. that are really important steps to be taking. Um, And, you know, it was really helpful to have somebody walk to kind of hold my hand through the process because I know that, that there are ways to do these things. Um, 
you know, uh, maybe without an attorney to kind of hold your hand through the process. But for me, it was so beneficial because then I could ask those questions, for instance, like what is an S corp versus a C corp and what are going to be the benefits here? And what are those, like, like you mentioned, the special rules in, that I need to kind of abide by um, as a licensed therapist specifically, you know, when it comes to the DBS. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a good point with the LLC, um, but another thing that many therapists probably don't know is that if you ever decide to be in association with another therapist, the default rule under the law is that that would then be classified as a partnership. So number one, from a liability standpoint, in a partnership, you're liable, you are, well, you're personally liable for the actions of that your partner, um, which that includes your partner's professional negligence, um, and any other actions taken in the course of the business. So Mm -hmm. that's a very big risk and being in a professional corporation is going to be a much safer thing. Um, if you ever decide to be in an association with another, another therapist, um, and then similarly that partnership, uh, also by default would be taxed as a partnership, um, at the IRS level and, and, and well, and the, at the state level as well. Um, so, you, you know, automatically going into that association triggers those tax um, issues that come up with that. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, those are, there are, there are so many different pieces and parts to this, uh, you know, the, obviously an individualized inquiry into your own, you know, particular situation and your own tax mm-hmm. status um, and your personal tax status, all, you know, all of these are, are factors that, you know, weigh into, um, what you would decide is going to be the right business entity for your practice. Right. And when to take those steps. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so then another question I'll get a lot um, is, you know, informed consent and like, mm-hmm. where do we, like, how do I know that like these forms that are, you know, contracts basically, you know, between me and my client that are really important for the clients to be informed, but also um, to have, you know, really important information in there for both, um, client and therapist to have a kind of an agreed upon understanding around, but mm-hmm. also to protect the therapist, you know, gosh, like, yes, we learned about some of the legal ethical considerations maybe in school, but, you know, nobody's handing us um, paperwork that's saying, this is, this is exactly what you need to use. Um, mm-hmm. And while there are, you know, resources online through different organizations with templates and these sort of things, I always recommend that even if you get a template to have, um, an attorney look it over for your specific needs, your specific niche, your specialty, the clients that you are specifically seeing, your state of licensure, all of these things. Um, and so informed consent is also something that you will support therapists in kind of making sure that all mm-hmm. the I's are dotted and T's are crossed when it comes to this. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, you know, for your informed consent, they're, they're, the, they're the initial obvious areas of disclosure that need to be included, which is required by the BBS, right? So we always make sure that, that those pieces are in there. And, you know, that's really, you know, the basis for the fees to be charged over the course of the professional relationship. And also, you know, BBS, uh, as of July of this year is requiring a notice that the BBS responds to complaints about LMFTs so that, you know, patients have an idea of what they can do if they ever feel like they need to get some recourse. Um, <clears throat> but then there, of course, other best practices to include in your informed consent. And 
a topic, well, a topical issue is COVID in informed consent these days as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if you're meeting in person with patients, walking through, <clears throat> do we need a COVID disclosure risk mm-hmm. of catching, you know, an informed consent related to, mm-hmm. you know, what the benefit, what the risks are of meeting in person. And then, you know, obviously like separate to that, but related is what, you know, what aspects to, you know, what practices to put in place to protect you and to protect your patient as well um, in the course of of in-person meetings. So there's, there are those pieces. Um, But then there's also, you know, meeting virtually has become commonplace Mm -hmm. in our world these days and telehealth informed consents are required under the California Business and Professions Code and by the BBS. So making sure you have all of the language specific um, to meeting virtually, if you're going to be meeting with your patients virtually is very important. And technically the BBS says violating that section of the California Business and Professions Code um, would be an ethical violation. Right. And there are those special considerations when it comes to telehealth in terms of confidentiality and all of those elements, right? Yeah. So, okay. So these are some things that attorneys can take your hand if you're a listening therapist, like they can take your hand and walk you through this. Cause what I'm thinking right now, I think if I was listening to this, um, before I take any of these steps, I might feel scared that I hadn't done these things already. So I want any therapist listening right now to just know, like I was there too. And I think that there's sort of this like fear that like, Oh my gosh, I haven't done this yet. And so all of a sudden there's like the floodgates of fear open up of like, are all these ways that I could be exposed or be, um, like not protected, but you're, you're okay. (laughs) You know, it's like, we can take the steps now, now that we know, and we can actually, reach out to someone who can take our hand to walk us through it, right? And like kind of take the burden off of our shoulders of making sure that everything is is up to code, right? And is like, is protected in, you know, in that sense. And so informed consent, and you mentioned, you know, some of these extra things, like I think COVID is one of those huge mm-hmm. pieces that's very relevant and timely right now. And also, um, you know, for instance, social media, mm-hmm. um, the therapists are now getting on social media to market their practices or to expand their reach. And as we are as therapists growing, right. <laughs> and like expanding, um, our businesses, you know, maybe we've developed, um, a digital course and maybe there's something that we have out there that is intellectual property, um, or there's just more exposure in these ways. You know, there are, um, while the BBS, you know, there's, there isn't a ton of like regulation out there in terms of social media, it's coming, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so, some things that are, that are out there that we need to be taking into consideration um, that's already out there in black and white, but also just things that are important for us as professionals to be considering um, in the first place or outside of what's already out there in terms of regulations. And so when it comes to these sort of ways in which therapists are growing their businesses. So first they're protecting it, um, establishing their private practice to be protected with the corporation. Um, if they're getting into any, you know, they're renting space or they're seeing clients virtually with COVID, there's all these important sort of foundational steps to be taking. But as a therapist is growing their business or expanding their business, there are also ways in which an attorney can support that those steps as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> 
And, and, you know, for, on the social media aspect, you know, having specific language in your informed consent about, you know, how important patient confidentiality is, um, Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you don't want to risk, you know, jeopardizing anything that they feel is private by, you know, friending them on social media and also educating your own patients about how to act if they encounter you in, you know, the outside world, Mm -hmm. assuming we're ever allowed to go outside again, but that's a (laughs) topic of conversation (laughs) as we just technically are, you know, our shutdown order went into effect last night at midnight. So (laughs) for Southern California, but, um, so, you know, educating clients on that in terms of, um, you know, the importance of confidentiality, but then also including disclaimers on your own social media profiles about, um, you know, making sure that I mean, clearly people will be looking at your social media that aren't yet patients. That's the entire point, right? This is marketing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, during that process, making sure that people, you, you know, informing your, well, your viewers that, you know, your content is educational only. It's not intended as a substitute for a therapeutic relationship and including yeah. the appropriate liability language, you know, disclaimers, those sorts of things um, on, on that. And, you know, also, you know, if you're recommending products, for example, like disclosing that there's a commission being paid, um, but also preserving, you know, from a, from a liability standpoint, um, having language that protects you in case that, you know, your, your viewer who ends up purchasing that product isn't happy with the product or whatever happens mm-hmm. to be. But all of those pieces are, um, things. And of course, that's a very individualized inquiry because it, it relates specifically to the particular things that you're doing in your own um, practice, how you want to market specifically and, um, you know, how, how your relationship with your clients work. So all of these are individualized inquiries. So really there's not a, you know, one size fit fits all informed consent because every therapist is different in what they're doing and what their initiatives are, the, you know, those sorts of things. Right. And I think that's important because I think that, you know, as there's a lot of therapists kind of showing up in these um, larger platforms and, you know, taking steps to put disclaimers out there um, mm-hmm. and it might, you know, it, we might want to just sort of like, okay, take a screenshot, copy paste, like that looks good, you know? Um, and while I can see the like desire and just kind of like, okay, I just need to put something up there now. Um, what we really want to do is look at the nuance of what are we showing up on social media for? How are we showing up as who is our audience? Like, what are we, what kind of work are we doing or offering? Um, what kind of, what are we doing on that platform? Right. And it's going to be very nuanced based on each individual person's sort of purpose on there and what they're actually showing up with and, um, who their audience is. And so I think that it's, it's so beneficial. I know for me, when I reached out to you and I was like, okay, Kate, I need your help here. I'm, um, my, my audience is growing. Um, I am at that time and I currently am not seeing clients. And, and so what, what does that mean? Because I don't have any current clients, um, you know, in terms of my audience, but I also am, you know, thinking about having these partnerships with other brands and Mm -hmm. collaborations. um, And I have an e-course and I want to make sure that all of these things that I'm doing on social media, 
that I'm protected and that my audience is protected, right? Like Mm -hmm. that if somebody is reading a post that they know that this is not constitute a client therapist relationship that like Mm -hmm. they, and that not any post is going to address the nuance of their specific situation and is not meant to be something that's going to be diagnostic. Right. And Mm -hmm. so Um, and if I'm going to be, um, you know, promoting something or suggesting something like what, what are the liability considerations there? And so, um, a step that you and I actually came to and ended up doing because it was specific to my situation, which is why forming these, you know, relationships are so important with an attorney is I ended up forming a separate business entity that kind of represents my educational services um, to kind of keep the sort of, you know, differentiation between what I'm offering that's educational versus what I'd be offering under my license with my clients, right? And so sometimes taking these steps in really honing in on these different parts of your business and taking these steps to protect these different parts of your business as well as your license are also really important, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's important from the regulatory standpoint because you're de- you know developing separation between your outside business ventures and you know your your status as a professional, well, as an LMFT, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so in, you know it also relates to asset protection. So we, and from an asset protection standpoint, we talk about putting dangerous assets, you know, quotation marks, they're not Mm -hmm. dangerous per se, but um, we think of them as dangerous assets because they are potentially risky, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So when you put dangerous assets in separate entities, you're protecting each asset Mm -hmm. from the the potential liabilities of the other, right? As well as protecting yourself personally from any potential liability. So, from an asset protection standpoint, there's there's a whole side there that you know, this is just different corporate structures, right? Um, and also from the regulatory standpoint, and I mean, you know, you will always be subject to your ethical requirements, of course. Right. But creating a different space, so to speak, to hold different um, yeah. business ventures. Um, makes it clear that, you know, you're not acting in your capacity as a therapist when you're engaging in an outside business venture. So there are a number of benefits from that side of things as well. It's another reason we put real estate, obviously, and, you know, and other LLCs. Um, And also real estate is better held in an LLC. So, you know, for therapists buying um, their own commercial space, those are Mm -hmm. areas to think about as well, because, uh, you know, real estate is itself also considered an inherently dangerous asset. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. standpoint at least. Yeah. And so, okay, and you'd also mention intellectual property and trademarking. When yeah. when might these sort of things become relevant for therapists? So, um it really depends on I mean, for therapists, it depends on if you have a specific um unique name that you're trying to protect. Now, I think many therapists won't have these issues, right? Because many therapists are simply practicing under their name. um, And there's no need to get a trademark if you're in that situation. Um, Although some people have wanted to do that in the past. And there there are ways to to get a trademark if you think it's, it's important for your practice. But, you know, when you think of trademarks, it's really we're talking about protecting a brand, um, you know, for, I mean, for your e-courses, that is truly a brand, right? Um, right. And 
being able to protect that name is a, a very important aspect of, you know, protecting intellectual property for your, for your practice um, and protecting the asset that is the, that, that is the, um, in, the e-courses and, and educational options and those, those sorts of things. Um, the other thing about trademarks actually is to, to think about is if you're establishing a practice under a name other than your own personal name, you do want to make sure you're not infringing on someone else's trademark. Right. So, you know, I mean, maybe you've picked a, a name for your um, for your practice, but it's always a wise idea to do a trademark clearance search in advance of practicing because I've had people in other industries, dentists, um, physicians reach out to me and s- saying, hey, I, you know, established my practice under this particular name. I never did a trademark clearance search. They get hit with a cease and desist letter requesting enormous damages. Um, and realize that someone else has been practicing under that name um, in that particular, you know, what dentist or MD or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they're faced with not using the name any longer and then they have to change all of their documentation. Um, They have to change the lease. They have to change the sign on the building. They have to change um, all their, you know, brochures and marketing collateral and those sorts of things. Um, and that's an enormous expense and, you know, changing your domain name as well. Right. Yeah. And that can be, um, (laughs) unpleasant. So it's really two sides of the coin, not infringing on someone else's trademark so that, you know, operating isn't going to pose any of those, you know, seasoned assist. You're never going to be faced with a seasoned assist letter coming, or if you do, it's, you know, frivolous. Um, but also, you know, if, if you do have a particular name that you really love and it's unique and different and interesting, might as well get the trademark protection to prevent others from using it as well um, yeah. and prevent others from using it so that they can't send you a cease and desist letter. So, right. so there are a lot yeah. of facets to that side of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I took the steps to um, to trademark modern therapists uh, under educational services for my e-course. And that felt like a really important step because it feels like, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's very specific to like, not just, it's very specific to what I'm trying to portray to the audience that I'm speaking to that, like, this is going to be a course that's going to help therapists who are building their private practice with that modern twist, right. Which is going to include some of these elements of expanding your, expanding your reach and leveling up your private practice. And so that felt like a really important step. And I wasn't sure at first, um, okay. So I did the trademark and it's there. Good. Um, and then I was like, you know, I don't know if I, if it was really that important, but then recently I actually had a friend who has a social media account. She had grown her audience, pretty large audience and found out that her handle actually infringed on somebody else's trademark. And Mm. she's going to have to make all these changes now, um, in terms of her business and her, she's going to have to change her social media handle. And, you know, not only is that like very, yes, burdensome, um, but it also, you know, people become familiar with that name (laughs) that Mm -hmm. was trademarked by somebody else. And Mm -hmm. so that can be, that can be challenging as well. Um, And And so, yeah. Also on the subject of trademarks, um, since trademark is federal law, I can actually represent clients in trademark matters across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's an area where I'm not limited to the California um, California-based clients. 
um, because technically it's federal law. And so practicing trademark law involves really appearing before the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Um, Mm -hmm. So I figured I'd flag that in case case anybody listening is saying, oh my gosh, I need someone to check whether I'm infringing on a mark immediately. Yeah, that's something that you could help with um, at more of a national level. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So do you have like, let's say, uh, I know I kind of touched on this earlier, but I kind of want to hit on it again here. Let's say a therapist is listening to this and they're starting to feel like overwhelmed with like taking these steps or steps that they haven't taken yet. Um, do you have a message for them, for that therapist who's listening that's feeling overwhelmed right now about, you know, just the the fears uh, or the fears around I haven't taken these steps or like, gosh, I need to start taking these steps, but like, where do I even start? Do mm-hmm. you have a message for them? So one of the things that I think clients have found very helpful um, is, you know, number one, I'm happy to have a call and I can, I have complimentary consultations with prospective new clients. So anyone who's stressed, I'm happy to have a call with you um, or try to help you find an attorney in your state that would be a good fit for this as well. Um, But secondarily, it's really at least many of my clients have found it very helpful. If I break down we have, you know, kind of an exploratory call and I break down all the different areas that need attention and help. And then we put a priority list together and yeah. we say, okay, this is our utmost. We need to take care of this now. And then let's focus on these later. And we have an outline and a plan and a structure for um, what needs to be addressed when, and that kind of, that, at, at least for many of my clients, that's helped them feel much more relieved to know that we've got a game plan. We know exactly what these things will cost and we've got a timeline for when we're going to do them. And of course the priority level is, you know, what's the riskiest thing that is going on right now. I mean, and I, I I love to create plans and task lists. So, and I'm such a detail oriented person. Those kinds of things are the most fun things to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I I will even say from experience when I was emailing you about some of the social media stuff that I really wanted support around and getting protection around. um, Well, first I like you, you sent back like very detailed um, researched responses to these questions. And so I think that, you know, the, the message that I want these therapists to hear who are listening is that like I've been there, it can feel overwhelming because we, and it's understandable, we didn't get this sort of business prep in school. And so mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I did for my business that helped the growth of my business and helps me feel secure when I go to sleep at night was outsourcing, was hiring mm-hmm. help, having people take my hand and support me through some of the things that are not my specialty, right? And so that that meant hiring an attorney. That also meant getting the right accountant um, and finding the person that really understood my business. Um, it also, for me, meant hiring um, a, a virtual assistant to help with a lot of um, the work that I'm doing that's on the other end of my business, so the e-courses and, and podcasts mm-hmm. and all those things. Um, and I've been recently talking to a bookkeeper that I'm considering bringing on. So taking these steps to hire out was so helpful. And I think that that's why um, part of your mission statement and kind of having the cost of these things be accessible, but also um, be upfront, right? Like mm-hmm. I think those elements are, are so, so helpful and so important. Yeah. So Kate, for anyone who is listening, um, where can people find you and the services that you offer? 
Well, um, I think the easiest way to get in touch with me is um, reach out to my website. It's www.sgclegal.com. Um, I have, you know, my phone and email contact information is there. Um, you can also call my office. It's nine, four, my phone number is nine, four, nine, three, nine, six, one, zero, four, zero. You'll get my receptionist and my receptionist is happy to book, you know, in a complimentary consultation with me, um, or shoot me an email. Um, it's Kate, K-A-T-E dot Santon, S-A-N. T O N at gmail or excuse me <laughs> sgclegal.com. Um, and I'll make sure to put all of the, what's that? I'll make sure to put all the contacts, um, the links, and everything in the show notes. So for anyone who's listening, you can go straight there, and it'll give you those those direct links to to get in touch with Kate. Because honestly, Kate, it's been so such a pleasure to work with you, and it's been so helpful um, to just feel that support in taking those steps because yeah, it can feel really overwhelming at first to kind of understand mm-hmm. how, like what's the best option for your specific situation um, in your specific business. And mm-hmm. so I'm so grateful um, to you for your support and for your willingness to come on and talk a little bit about this kind of demystify it a bit for any of the therapists who are listening. So thank you so much. Of course. And you know, your profession is such a highly needed profession and there's so much in the media about mental health issues and COVID obviously has made things so much harder. So for me, being able to support therapists is just one way I feel like I can give back to the world these days to, you know, just be able to take away the stress um, so that therapists can focus on, you know, practicing and helping their patients. Um, Mm. So that's, you know, it's just, it's a very feel good aspect for me on that as well. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that, I know that probably means a lot to hear um, for any therapists listening to just kind of hear that message again, that you are essential and that there are others out there who are willing to step in and support you and your business so that you can keep doing the important, meaningful work that you're doing as a therapist. So thank you for that message, Kate. I think that's so important. And I'm so grateful that we had this conversation and I can't wait to share it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a pleasure. And I think we really covered a lot of great information. So I think we did too. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Cassidy. See you soon. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.